Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Victoria Andrews. Imagine living in the Bronx 50 years ago and arriving at a neighborhood party right before school starts in a few weeks. While you're disappointed summer is ending, you're grateful for this last celebration of summer freedom. When you walk in, you see all your friends and even a special someone you have a crush on. But what really grabs you is the music. Few are fortunate enough to actually attend this historic neighborhood party that would later be known as the birthplace of hip hop. But this revolutionary moment in history would impact music, culture, fashion, and policies, and how we connect with others, which is the focus of our podcast today. We recently published a resource on supporting guidance, which asks how we can build places for young people to truly and fully express themselves. Hip hop is one approach to discovering identity and building relationships to share their own experiences, and to highlight how we can continue to embed hip-hop and how we support students. I'm joined today by two exceptional guests, Mickey Breeze and H. Bernard Hall. Producer Mickey Breeze is the 10-time Beat Battle Champion of the Twin Cities. He is also a former teacher for the Twin City Mobile Jazz Project and a DJ for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Twins. He's a proud alumni of the High School for Recording Arts in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're also joined by Dr. H. Bernard Hall, an assistant professor of urban teacher education at Drexel University in the Department of Teaching, Learning, and Curriculum. His teaching and research interests include urban teacher education and development, social justice-oriented approaches to secondary English education, hip-hop pedagogy, anti-Black educational policy, and practice and critical qualitative research. To get us started, can both of you all share how hip-hop has shaped you personally and professionally? So personally, uh, hip-hop has had a very, I would say, different impact on my life uh, than most other musical genres that I mess with. It was kind of introductory for me. You know, a lot of the base knowledge that I have on overall rhythm, drum beats, style, you know, music preference and stuff uh, has come from um has come from just you know the 2000s seeing my older brother you know idolized rappers in the industry and you know big cars and flashy clothes and stuff like that um as a kid I didn't get too much out of all of that except for the music you know as a creative uh, I got really into you know synthesizers and making my own beats and stuff when I was a lot younger uh just because I like the sound of you know 808s my mom always had a set of subwoofers in her car you know so bass was super enticing for me but professionally um I've seen both the positive sides and the negative sides of hip-hop so I kind of know what to avoid you know what I'm saying like with with hip-hop and everything a lot of people idolize the more violent or braggadocious or you know big bravado uh side of it but not too much of the intelligence you know we have very gifted mcs throughout history and i was a lot more attracted by those who were able to make moves in the background versus you know gold and chains and diamonds and etc 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 so i kind of took that upon myself at about like 12 13 years old to mean look I probably couldn't afford any of that stuff anyway so I'd rather shine in silence and Mickey before we move to um, Bernard can you share just a little bit about your entryway into even becoming a DJ like where did when did you first start and how were you introduced to that 
uh, when I was about when I was about eight years old, I wasn't really into too much of anything else. Sports, video games, uh, you know, toys and all that type of stuff. I wasn't really it for me. My grandfather taught me how to play piano at about five years old. And uh, ever since then, I was just, you know, super music oriented. My older brother again, being super, you know, rapper influence and stuff, saw that PSP, uh, PlayStation Portables were the newest, hottest thing with rappers like Soulja Boy at the time. And, you know, he was just ready to get some sort of, you know, big gift or big game. He gave me my hand-me-down first PSP, and I ended up not playing any games on it. But turns out Timbaland and Rockstar Gaming had developed a beat making software called Beaterator. So moms took me to GameStop. I wasn't interested in anything else on the shelf except this one bright yellow case in the middle of everything uh, and started, you know, working with that. But as I got more and more, you know, interested and elaborate in making beats, I was like, I want to find a way to perform this stuff. You know, we have piano recitals, but I can't exactly break out trap drums and 808s. <laughs> in front of in front of all these parents and faculty members i want a way to perform and i'd rather not just plug this up and let people hear it and just stand there like a dummy so when i you know started uh looking up ways to perform without actually having to speak or hold the mic i was like djing is it you know what i'm saying watching uh watching old movies like juice like the scene from juice uh, where Q was at the DJ battle was kind of like a jump off point for me. Even, even because of that movie, I started by uh, going by my middle name of Breeze just because everybody had that one name. Like it was Juice, it was Steel, it was Bishop. I'm a DJ. That's that's all I'm doing on stage. So when I found a route to actually perform, what it was I was so used to doing, you know, by myself with some headphones on or at home. Uh, I could adapt it to the stage so people would actually be able to see and hear what I do, even if I didn't have a mic in my hands. I was like, it's a prime opportunity that I'm going to turn into probably a career. Bernard, I'll pass it off to you. How did hip hop shape me personally and professionally? I would say that uh, hip hop gave me my cool. It gave me my craft. It gave me my politics. And ultimately, I've been able to flip it into my profession. Uh, I was born December 1979 in Detroit, um, and I grew up in a middle-class home where hip-hop was essentially illegal, right? Um, I'm that old. Um, and of course, when your parents say you can't have something, of course, you got you got to have it. And uh, I wouldn't be denied. And uh, it so happened that I had a big cousin who I would refer to as my big brother, he moved in with us when I was in the fourth or fifth grade and he was a junior in high school. And he was the big brother that I always wanted. He was the quarterback. He was a ladies man and he had a car and he had tapes on tapes on tapes in that car. And, you know, so for him to have, you know, move the crowd, here comes the MVP on his fresh varsity jacket, like move the crowd. What's that? What's that about? And like, he gave me that Eric B and Rakim tape. Um, and he gave me a lot of other tapes and, and I stole slash borrowed a couple more. Uh, but for that biracial kid growing up in, in, in Southfield, Michigan, him, he was hip hop. 
and it gave me access to more hip hop and more um, expressions of cool that little insecure dudes such as myself um, was looking for at that time. Um, hip hop also, I say, gave me my craft. Writing in school has has always been pretty easy for me, and there was something about being able to apply that craft in a more cool space. My ability to manipulate words, okay, it gets me good grades here, bet. But okay, if I manipulate words in a slightly different way over here, it can give me something else. And frankly, that that as somebody who was an athlete, who identified as an athlete who happened to play sports, hip-hop gave me another way to identify. It allowed me to, in some ways where I would camouflage the nerdiness that might get you in trouble, right? I could apply that nerdiness in a different way get a different response um so whether it's that craftsmanship that came with the pen it led to me practicing and i might say mastering the craftsmanship of moving the crowd and for me it began as moving the crowd as an mc as part of a a, a hip-hop uh, band in ann arbor michigan where i went to uh, undergrad and then for me the lessons i learned on how to move the crowd on stage translated for moving the crowd in the classroom and so that's where I transitioned from the stage into the classroom in middle school, English language arts classrooms in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And so for me, the idea of using hip hop to teach English language arts to a bunch of black and brown kids, uh, it, it just made sense. My teacher education, Gloria Lassen Billings and culturally relevant pedagogy was not part of my teacher education, but I didn't need those books to tell me, hey, when it comes to the art and science of words, this thing called hip hop can help me not only achieve with my students, but build relationships with my students. And if you can move a middle school crowd. Middle school <laughs> students in school. Oh, my word. Yes. If you can if you can rock and move that crowd and get their attention and capture it and then move them to some sort of level of action, you have mastered, truly mastered the art of connecting I appreciate that story from both of you all. Um, and both of y'all had just, you know, similar, but also different journeys that where hip hop has guided you and allowed you to discover or even rediscover, you know, in your case, Bernard, another portion of your identity. It's ironic that our conversations have, have built on this idea of these cultural traditions being passed down by our big brothers or, or, or big siblings. And, um, so when it comes to like lessons learned about a journey and how it shaped my interactions with students, I don't see myself as a teacher. The way I see myself is as an other brother. This is how I reconceptualize teaching through hip hop, this idea of other brothering, right? Where we're reimagining the boundaries between teachers and students that sometimes our parents, sometimes the old heads don't talk to us about the sex, the drugs, the money, and the violence that that, that exists, right? They're trying to protect us, but not talking about tough stuff doesn't make that tough stuff go away. Um, other brothers, right, we hold, we hold each other accountable in different ways than our elders do, right? We love one another slightly different ways than our elders do. So this idea of other brothering, I think is an effective way for us to think about how we can reimagine 
teacher-student relationships, that there's this level of intimate investment that my students, you ever heard a teacher be like, well, if I only reach one today, then I did my job. That, sh- that shit is unacceptable, right? And what, and, what, and what realm of existence is one out of 30 success? And if, it's, and if these kids aren't my students, but that's my family, if that's my little bro or little sis, right? I'm I'm not satisfied with anything less than success. Exactly. And to your point of having those those spaces where I can connect with, you know, I can connect with my teacher. I can connect with that person. It may not even be a teacher. It might be the paraprofessional. It might be the custodian or the cafeteria worker, whoever it is. And it may show up in a more structured setting like advisory, or it may show up as on the basketball court or my gymnastics teacher. But that level of community, that level of belonging, that level of somebody sees me, like truly sees me, not just sees me for the A's that I bring, or but truly sees my value. That is what's so important. And for hip hop to provide that avenue for so many people for so many students, like it's essential. And I think, Mickey, you touched on it a little bit earlier about, you know, there are some, just with anything, some things that are glamorized, which, you know, have a negative attraction, but that's not the part that we should highlight and focus on. Both of you guys are in different educational settings. Can you share a little bit more about how you have or hope to use hip hop to bridge and continue to support the students that you work with? Uh, hip hop in itself, you know, beyond culture is a language, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of the time you can tell a lot about somebody via either the music that they listen to, what they've been inspired by. Like, for example, like what I'm trying to do or to relate to a lot of, uh, my younger students, drill is a new fad. Drill is 100% the new fad, but the literal epitome of drill by definition is going out, stealing, killing, dealing this, that, and the third. And while it's not hard for me to understand, like, obviously I've, you know, I've seen it, I've been, you know, good enough to stay away from it, or I know what the negative connotations of every part of that is, but simply off of the fact that that's something that's newer or that's idolized or that's what's, you know, what's popping right now, it's kind of like I have to find a way to reorient it in a way that actually means something to my students. So you can't exactly take the context. You can't exactly take, you know, the literal actions uh, from most of that drill genre uh and turn it into a learning experience but the music is still there all the drums all the 808s all the beats melodies this that and the third all the inspiration comes from one simple place and if i can use that if i can kind of emphasize that uh and turn it into a curriculum i can relate to the kids a little bit more even if it's not on that negative tip so i've had many a session where it'll be like okay What I want you guys to do is write a verse first. Don't tell me what it's about. We can rewrite. We can re-edit. I'm going to make a beat. And then when you hear it, I want you to find a way to develop this over this new track. So 
even if what they come out with is, you know, a bit more negative or a bit more, you know, even if even if what you got is a little bit more grandiose than most, uh, we can we can reshape it in a way that actually makes sense to you or in a way that actually uh, is a lot more presentable. But being able to connect with students uh, on the level that's simply based on based on music is almost a better way to communicate versus trying to just flat out explain something. You know, trying to flat out explain something in all of its detail kind of gets a little bit boring. You know, I work in music production. You either got five minutes to make a beat or five months. So if I can find some sort of common ground, I do beats, you like listening to them, then we can kind of bridge that gap that way versus just educating you based off of 100% base knowledge. You know, it gets banal after a while trying to explain the ins and outs of this and that versus look if you can go boom 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 then record it we got we got something that we can actually do and it's so interesting that you used that example with drill because that's actually one of the things that surfaced or that you were sharing bernard in the session that i attended at the hip-hop ed conference this past june in your session that you led about writing the rights and how when you were in the on a campus if i remember correctly and you were using um, you know, music that was familiar to you to connect with the students, but they were like, no, that's not it. Drill is where it's at. And can you share a little bit more about that? Because there was an overlap with what Mickey was sharing about bridging and meeting the students where they are. I, I definitely could speak to that. And um, I, I've developed something that I call hip hop writing. And that writing is spelled W-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. It's, it's a neologism that combines writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, stuff we do in English language arts class, and writing, right? Correcting, right? Um, and in particular, correcting or and challenging ourselves um, and using our words to correct and or challenge the societies that we live in. And uh, the Hip Hop Writing Workshop, um, I had built this beautiful syllabus that where I was going to introduce folks to the godfathers of hip hop, going to take them to, to Cedric Avenue in the South Bronx, as Victoria laid it out in her, so beautifully in her intro. And then I was going to bring that into the history of Philadelphia hip hop. And Philadelphia has its own unique uh, history. Uh, we could take credit or blame for creating the first quote unquote gangster rap song. Shout out to Schooly D and Parkside and the Parkside Killers. Um, and the school that I teach at, in addition to Drexel, the middle school I teach at, is probably about 14 blocks away from 50th and Parkside, where Schoolie D uh, was describing um, in that now world-famous track. Um, so I had this super, 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 super dope syllabus put together. And and what I did, what saved me, was I asked, before I started schooling them on some Dr. Hall shit, I asked them, and it sounds crazy, who are you vibing with? All right, where I'm from, you don't just barge into somebody else's home and tell their mama how to cook the chicken. Now you sit down and put on that plate, right? So, so I asked them, who are y'all vibing with? Who who can you teach me about? And they went through one after the other of like what we would call an extreme local West Philly Drew, West Philly bull. Right? Again, numbers in the name, like abbreviation, like. Again, and everything that they're playing to me and sharing with me 
goes against my generational orientations. It goes against my my palate. My hip hop palate is has been shaped by that by 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 that Rakim. It's been shaped by that Nas. It's been shaped by that Premier. And every time I hear something a little bit younger, it challenges my notions of normal. Now, one thing you got to be real clear about: if I had walked in that classroom and and said, "Oh, this is this is real hip hop." I'm gonna lose those kids just the same way if I came in and said, "Here's here's William Shakespeare. He's great. Take my word on it." It's like, no. Reorienting the classroom around youth experiences meant that I kept my mouth shut. I did not chastise chastise young people for liking the hip hop that other young people created. That would be hypocritical. Right? And I listen with an open ear. And it, when it comes to drill in particular, when it comes to this moment of coming out of we call it the dual pandemics and not only COVID, but but the but the Black Lives Matter and black bodies being left in the street. Drill allows me to have conversations about the institutional forces that help to explain. To some regard some of the decisions that our young people are making when it comes to using violence in the street. It helped me roadmap our neighborhoods to say, these folks are, (laughs) this is the beautiful and dangerous part of drill, right? They beef on Thursday. They go to the, to the studio on Friday. They drop it on social media on Saturday, new beef on Sunday. It's it's so fast. Now, again, that speaks to the brilliance of hip hop. It's condensed, right? The condensed nature of how hip hop music is produced, distributed, and consumed. We changed the whole game. Drill. Them Chief Keith cats changed the game in ways that I would argue only hip hop could. Now, the dangerous part is that those students that are sitting in my classroom are walking home through that beef that is being depicted in some of those songs. So, for us to bring that in allows us to have the conversation about what is going on in our neighborhoods. Why are some some people deciding that it's safer not to come to school than it is to come to school? And what forces, how can we study what's going on in West Philly, make connections to what was going on in the hoods of Chicago and make connections to what's been going on in the hoods in America since N.W.A. was rapping in the 1980s, Schoolie D in the early 80s, and a bunch of brothers and sisters before that. Drill can help us make those connections. When, when you were sharing, what came to mind was when we're talking about like supporting and guiding students and allowing them to fully express and be themselves. We're okay with it. We're okay with student agency and we're okay with belonging as long as it doesn't brush up against our our definition, our label of what it means to to provide for student agencies. Like, but how do we shift that feeling of, like, I love that you said, I got out of the way. Like, I can't be dismissive of how their, their, their agency, of their expression, their self-expression. A good nine times out of 10, um, students, youth in any shape, way, or form have, I think, just as much, sometimes more, uh, experience in most adults. I mean, obviously we're instructors, we're professors, we're teachers for a reason. It's because we've devoted our time to specifically getting better at something that we can teach others. 
but not a lot of people understand is that age does not always equal experience. For example, like I'm, I was uh, one of the youngest DJs in my city that most people have ever heard of. Um, And simply due to the fact that I had devoted my time to learning you know, my craft a little bit harder than most who might think of it as a hustle or, oh, I just got to buy a couple turntables and I got wedding gig money or something like that. Because I had devoted a lot of my time to one particular part of the craft, you know, I could either be telling off or teaching people, you know, twice my senior simply because I was getting into something new that either A, they weren't aware of or B, uh, they didn't decide to they didn't decide to turn their attention toward. So when it comes to actual student agency, it's about finding it's about finding what your students are passionate about. If you know more than me, I'm not going to sun you. I'm not going to diminish you. I'm not going to you know disregard you as you know some older people take it as a threat when somebody knows more. Uh, than you and they're younger. I'm not going to disregard any of that. I would like you to teach me in some way, like I would teach you. You know, the only, the only possible downside is you end up liking only what I like, or I end up liking only what you like. But hopefully, we come to some sort of synthesis. I've learned a lot about drill. I've learned a lot about lingo. I've learned a lot about you know simple social media uses and stuff. Uh, simply because you have somebody that's more experienced at being on their phone or what's in the now or what, uh, they've been able to produce with new technology and stuff that come out. Like the other part of that narrative is like AI. I have students using AI to replicate voices of rappers that have long since passed and actually implement it into music of modern day. Because you have so many students who are experts on this sort of thing, whether it's an app on their phone or something that they've dedicated their life to learning, uh, I've kind of learned to let students breathe, you know, regardless of what exactly it is that you're doing, whether I find it detrimental or whether I find it weird or whether you find it uh, weird what I listen to, you have experience with it. So if you can express that, then we can find a way to work with each other. I just don't want to stifle anybody. Do you feel like that was in part to how you were supported when you were so young? Most definitely. Like the whole the whole premise of why HSRA was such a good school in itself was because it was made up of artists. It was made up of people uh, from pretty much any walk of life. So. When I came into the school, I was honestly much less of a student and much more of an artist. I didn't exactly have bad grades and whatnot, but I I did hate school. You know, I did my core classes just to get out of them. I wasn't exactly like, oh, I hope I get a decent grade or, oh, I hope, you know, the teacher liked what I turned in for this, that, the third or, oh, I hope to be. Yeah. You know, I hope to be first string or a JV or not. I wasn't on none of that. But when I was like, you know, 12 and 13 years old, I was DJing other schools proms. 
You know, when I was 12 and 13 years old, I was DJing talent shows and outdoor events and this, that, and that, and the third. But when I got to HSRA, because so many people had had uh, some sort of artistic integrity or artistic uh, insight, they saw me and recognized things that they might not have known. When I, you know, came into the school talking about contracts and invoices and travel and this, that, and the third, they were like, you know what? We have people that are skilled in that area, too. We They can talk to you about that. We're not going to stifle anything you do. And in fact, if you can make a project of yours that relates to what it is we got going on, we'll give you credit for it. Because most people in a traditional school environment see me talking about DJing, see me talking about putting music out, and they're like, oh, he watched YouTube, or he's about to, he, he got mixtape dreams. He thinks he's about to drop one track and make it big. But because there were people who recognized that I had already been at it for a while, I pretty much knew everything that I wanted to know at that point. They knew not to be in my way. They encouraged it. And they oftentimes let me explain something that they might not understand so that they could help me further. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that so much, Mickey, because being in that environment allowed you to soar, allowed you to have your full potential so that you can continue to provide that for other students and not diminish their light, not diminish their brilliance, whether it be based on age or experience. Um, For anybody that's listening, whether they're a superintendent or an educator or somebody that's education adjacent, and they're wondering how can they support or how can they access hip-hop as a pathway where would they start where would you guide them or what tip or tool or just wise words would you leave them with i would begin by suggesting that we're limiting the possibilities of supporting and connecting with students if we're only thinking about hip-hop as a product hip-hop is a way of life Rap music is one artifact that is produced in ways that reflects that way of life. DJing, in the case of Brother Brother Breeze here, is but one cultural practice that has incredible potential if we think about it beyond just music. And part of what my research and teaching is designed to do is to push us to think about the ways of knowing, the ways of doing, the ways of being that are connected to hip hop culture, how they can inform how we teach students as well as educators, uh, and in my regard, the knowledge and skills of English language arts. That, you know what? I could show you how to use commons. I used to love her as a model for extended metaphor. Right or or Nas as I gave you power I could I could do that I could I could show you how to use Slick Rick's children's story as a mentor text on how to narrative on how to structure a, a, an effective narrative I could do that but I think some of the the biggest possibilities come when we think about hip hop's cultural practice of freestyle right how can we get our young people writing with the innocence with a carefreeness that has largely been beaten out of them by the standardization and the drill, 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 drill that they get in their traditional English language arts classroom. How could we use the hip hop art of sampling 
right? To think about how using works created by other artists and other genres and other eras, how we can use that to inform new writing, right? How can we use that to show respect to the past? How can we use that to build credibility in, in the present, right? Um, I got this 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 brother of mine, Emery Petchow, who's uh now uh was it formerly at Michigan State. Uh he's he's up at uh at, at Rutgers now, and he uses uh Koala uh digital media production app. It's an app, it costs five dollars on, on, on your iPad, and he is using that production app as a pedagogical tool to reimagine what collaborative writing processes look like. Right? So so I ask your audience to think about that question of why. Why do you want to use hip hop? Once you can answer those tough questions of the why, then we can ask different questions about what and how. I would say find common ground. Find common ground. Hip hop is one of the most influential genres and cultures in history. 100 like in other countries germany korea uh uh russia all all sort of different places all sort of different walks of life have been touched by hip-hop i've absolutely had my mind blown finding country hip-hop and 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 dubstep remixes of old school hip-hop songs um which means that it has some sort of effect on everybody don't go into any sort of situation closed-minded while hip-hop is primarily, you know, a big part of language of the youth or a big cultural influence on literally everybody. That means that there's a lane for both you and the person you're actually trying to, you know, communicate or engage with. I had an old instructor at HSRA named Dan, and any new fad that popped out in hip-hop, he was on it. I came back to school one week, one week, in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of hot weather, this man had Tim's on. I'm t- the most clear cut, the most the most clean cut, like white dude in a fully buttoned up flannel you would ever see, but had Tim's on and was referring to them as Tim's the entire day, the entire day. Every kid in that school had. Uh, uh, had a not even a critique, but was like helping this man's outfit out. Like, nah. So we gotta undo the top three buttons of the flannel, right? We don't tie Tim's up. Like, you can you can have them tucked, or we gonna have the laces out here, cuff the cuff the jeans and this that and the other thing. And it was just finding a way to bridge the gap because of something he had in common. He he's never called them Tim's in his life. Them is work boots. That's it. And I understand it on on a more materialistic level, but a lot of people don't recognize that there are so many cultural references. There are so many places that hip hop pulls from in itself. So many producers are absolutely mind blown if you find some sort of off the wall sample like where in the hell did that come from that you were able to make such a dope beat out of or that you were able to make these references in your lines to? So if you can find something in hip hop that you can engage with and find a way to display that to other people who have had some sort of engagement with hip hop, you can bridge almost any gap. 
guaranteed, whether it's age, whether it's experience, whether it's location, hip hop has found a way into everybody's lives in some shape, way or another. Find your common ground. Thank you so much, Mickey and Bernard. I really appreciate this conversation, hearing about both of your pathways and the challenge that you both laid out for our listeners and the avenue of how hip hop can be a tool of freedom for so many and for us to just move out the way and allow the youth to continue to teach us and allow us to support them and to guide them in whatever lane and avenue that they want to continue to grow in. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.